We are continuing our sermon series, and uh, we are digging in, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Now, I want to state this up front, that as you try to follow along with me this morning, there may be a part of it that uh, you're listening to, and you're like, that doesn't really sound like you know, the verse that I'm reading right now. Uh, and that is because, um, I wasn't paying attention, uh, to what I had my, uh, Bible gateway app set on. Uh, usually I have different Bibles, physical Bibles that I will spread out, uh, and I'll use, and I use the original NIV. I use the King James. I use, um, the, uh, New Living Translation. I knew, I, I use the, uh, New King James, the Old King James. I use the NSB, the, um, the ASB or the, yeah, the ASB. I use all of the different versions. Uh, the message, I'll go to that. Uh, English Standard is usually what you'll hear me reading from. And, uh, so I, I try to copy and paste as much as I can because then you're not making fun of me because something's wrong on the screen behind me. So um, this last week, I, it happens, I know. Um, but uh, this last week, I, I was reading through the scriptures and I'm like, this doesn't sound the way that I want it to sound. And I had put all of my scriptures in in the New King James Version. So as you're reading through this morning, you're like, that's not the way that it, it should be in my Bible. Um, I, I know it's not the way that, that Paul and Peter originally wrote it, um, but we're reading the King James, the New King James Version throughout uh, the Scripture. And I love the way that Peter starts here uh, in, in verse 13. He says, therefore. And, and what he is doing when he uses this word, therefore, he is telling us up front that he is continuing with what he's already said. This, again, just proves the point that, you know, back when, when they first, when, when Peter and Paul wrote, they just wrote, okay? And, and they didn't worry about chapters and verses and all of that. And we love to just take things off of uh, off of the page and go, yes, this is the verse that we should be using. And this is a, a scripture that we should have. And, and one little quote, a snippet out of a verse or um, a, a section of scripture. But here we see that Peter is just continuing what he's already been saying. And so that's what we see. We read this word, therefore, and Peter is linking with what he's already said uh, so far in this chapter with what he is about to tell us. And and yes, or last Sunday, uh, we realized that we have a privilege as these living stones, and Christ is the cornerstone. He is the main stone, and we are, as part of the living stones, we are a family with a foundation, a people with a purpose. And if we have been born again, if we are, are new, if, if we have given our lives over to Christ, we have repented of our sins, we've confessed our sins, we've, we've been baptized, we're living a life of faith for Him, then we will be able to carry out the mission and the vision of the church. And for us, we have our vision, and I shared this with you last week, um, and, and I really threw Justin, or I, I, I really threw Jared under the bus last week. Um, so I have a retraction. Um, this is page five. This is the retraction because Jared is not the one that said you guys did bad um, when he quizzed you on um, what the vision was. It was actually Justin's fault. So, yeah, I'm throwing Justin under the bus now. Um, and he knew that this was going to happen, so he's okay with it. Um, but uh, let's talk about it just for a second. Vision of the church here at Stafford County Christian Church. What are we supposed to do first? 
Seek Jesus. Absolutely. And that means that we are called to gather together. We are to be in the Lord's house. Every week we are coming together. We're worshiping. We're praising. We're hearing the word. But here's the thing. It can't just be one hour a week. It can't be, well, I've come to church and now I've served. So now I've actually gotten two hours in. So I'm good. Check, Jesus. But it goes further than that. So we seek Jesus by coming here. What's the second part? Yes, lead, to lead others, to get involved in one of our life groups, to find a way that we can be connected. We're, we're serving in a life group, that we're part of one of the women's groups, that we're part of one of the, the men's fellowships, that we are finding community outside of just coming together on Sunday mornings. And that's important for us to understand because the larger we grow as a church, the smaller we must grow. The more people to come. And I have people that have said, you know, as we have grown, um, I don't know everyone anymore. And some people, you actually think that that's a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing. What it means is that we need to find more ways that we can get connected. That we are talking with one another. That we are sharing with one another. And it means that more people are coming together in community at Stafford County Christian Church. I've had people say, well, we have two services and, and, and now I don't know everyone and I don't see everyone. That's why we have to be involved in those small groups, that we're involved in a life group, that we're finding that community because the world that we live in today is going to do everything they can to destroy us, to keep us apart. And we fill our schedules with so much that we find ourselves separated and living on an island alone. But what we have been called to do is to lead others into those, those, those life groups. And then the final one is to, to deploy. Yes, to deploy in service. And, and here's the thing. We've talked about this. We have some great opportunities. We have, uh, as a whole church family, as Big C, we have the Operation Christmas Child that we're doing. We have, uh, on November the 17th, we're doing the Rise Against Hunger. But we want you to be connected in those life groups because they are also serving together. And here's the thing. If you really want to grow in your relationship with God, if you really want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you'll serve. Because when you serve, you will find more out about yourself and who you are. And you will find out about those that are around you that you're serving right alongside of. And you will learn more about who God truly is and what he has called you to be. And that's very important for us to see that that is our vision. That is our mission to make sure that we are seeking Jesus, leading others, and deploying the disciples in service. Last week, we were challenged at the end of the message in verses 11 through 12 that we are called as aliens scattered about that we are spread out but we have to be there for one another we're different than everyone else in this world we're at war with sin and that we've been called to reflect christ in our work peter is anticipating his readers as he starts here he says therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance and before i go any further he already is anticipating what they're going to say. He's anticipating that they're going to say, well, as long as I'm a good Christian and I know that I'm a citizen in heaven, I really may not need to do everything that you're going to call us to do here on this earth. I really don't have to do that much here on earth because I already know that I'm a citizen in heaven. And so he's already thinking that that's going to happen. And here's the thing. 
In the first century, in the Roman Empire, Christians were looked upon with suspicion. Christians were looked upon with suspicion simply because they were different. And they lived a different lifestyle. And they weren't like everyone else around them. It sounds a lot like the world that we live in today, right? People look at us and and there's just this difference about them. And they want to see, are we really living it out? And they're suspicious of who we are because they hear us claim to be Christian. But are we living it out? This is several years ago, uh, while I, where I was at at my last church, um, uh, there was a, a guy that came in and he was part of uh, the Help Build Hope and the house builds that we do with Crossroads. And, and Dave Lockwood came in and before we actually um, had the house build, he spoke to us. And he was talking about our Christian walk. He was talking about a Christian life. And, and what was really cool is we found out that Dave was actually one of Teresa's youth sponsors that was now working with Crossroads. And he told this story. Um, and, and I love this illustration that he gave because it was truly what we're talking about here. He says, I remember we were underneath of a car and, and my neighbor who I had shared with that I was a Christian, he knew who I was, but he ne- we never talked about it. And he never came to church with me. And so one day we were working on the vehicle and as we were underneath, um, after, um, it was all over, he says, Hey, I've always been suspicious of, of who you are and that you claim to be a Christian. But today I really have a new, um, I really have a good perspective of who you are and, and what you say that you are as a Christian. And Dave was kind of shocked and he was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, as we were working on the car, I noticed that you hit your thumb really hard with the hammer. And you didn't cuss. And I've always really watched you. And I paid attention to what you say and how you act. And that really convicted me. And so I just want to let you know that I'd like to come with you to church this coming week. Christians... We have been called to live a different life. And this world will look at us with suspicion. And they're going to put us under the microscope. So that is what Peter is really trying to get across here. You see, Christians need to be the best citizens. As citizens of earth, we give and we are called to give and expected to give to the government. As citizens of heaven, we have been called to give our ultimate allegiance over to the Almighty. This is actually what Jesus says himself in Luke chapter 20, verse 25. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. We're, we are to live the kind of lives that make the message of God's grace beautiful and believable. So let's read First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Therefore, submit yourselves... To every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I see three ways that Christians are to act that are summed up with three simple words. Submit, serve, and show. 
So let's break those three down. Let's start with the first one. Submit in public ways. Now I want to warn you that when we hear this word, it's one word that we kind of cringe when we hear it. When we hear the word submit, that's not very American, is it? We don't like to submit to anyone or to anything because we are king supreme, not anyone else around us. And I've done over a hundred weddings. And as I've done those weddings, there's one word, actually two, submit slash obey. And it's usually the ladies that come to me and they say, do not put those words in there. If you say submit or if you say obey, I won't repeat them because I am not to be submissive because it's the American way that we're not called to obey or submit. It's a word that we just don't like. And here's the thing. It's not just women when it comes to marriage. It's everyone. Men, how many times when you hear somebody say you need to submit, you're like, I don't think so. No, I'm not going to do that. And so we have a real hard problem with this. What are we to do? Simply put, verse 13 says, therefore, submit yourselves. And this is a command. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But this is a command. And it means to be subject to. It was used to instruct soldiers to line up or arrange under the command. And Peter actually uses it several more times within this letter. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Three, one, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Three, five, being submissive to their own husbands. Three, 22, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Five, five, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. So let's break this down. Who? Who should we submit to? Let's just look at what it says. We're to submit to every ordinance of man, to the king as supreme or to the governors. This word every, go back to what we just said, this means that it is a command. Every. This helps us to understand that our submission isn't just to government authorities, but it truly affects every part of our lives. Children, submit to your parents. Employees, submit to your employers. Teachers, submit to the principals. Principals, submit to school boards. Badgers, submit to the Buckeyes. If you didn't think you were getting a reference... I I even took Wolverines out because they played so good yesterday. We could apply submission to the king as obeying federal laws, the governors as being the state or the local laws. You know, this even applies to ministers as well. Justin and Jared, uh, this last week, they were driving around and they were trying to find a spot. They were late. And so Jared, he just finally, he's, he's drove around the block. So he gets out, he parks in, in, in a undesignated parking spot and he writes a note. He says, I've circled the block 10 times and couldn't find a spot. Forgive us our trespasses. When they returned back to the vehicle, There, underneath of the wiper blades, was a note. 
I've circled this block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. Listen, we're to submit to those God has put over us. Whether that be to the parking attendant or whether that be someone like Nero. Nero was the Roman emperor. We've talked about this over the course of the last eight weeks. But just in case you forget who he was, let me just give you a little bit of a background again of who Nero was and what he did. At age 18, Nero tried to have his own mother killed. He was unsuccessful in killing his own mother three different times. Finally, he hired an assassin and had his mother killed. He took Christians and he tarred them while still alive and set them on fire to light his gardens at night. He put Christians and wrapped them in the skin of wild animals and set his dogs loose while uh, to kill them. He nailed some to crosses, lacerated others with hot knives, fed Christ followers to the lions. This is the type of person that Peter says that we are called to submit to. Why would he say that? What, what, what would be the point? Why should we submit? Listen, when we submit, we're doing it, what do we continue reading? For the Lord's sake. Drop down to verse 15. For this is the will of God. This gives a theological basis for our submission and helps us to see that our obedience serves God's purpose. When we submit to government, we are submitting to God because God set up the government. That's what we read in, in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist has been established by God. Authority is an instrument in the hand of God. And in case you may have a problem, uh, Andy Stanley gives us uh, a little bit of help and a perspective when we're struggling with submission to authorities. He says, the issue is not who, not, not the what, but the who. And that's who we really, that's what we really struggle with, right? It's not the what, but it's the who that we've been called to submit to because we don't really like those that sit in governing authorities. You see, the main purpose of our government is found in verse 14. It says, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. This is a similar quote, quote to Romans 13, verse 4. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Now we would say that our government does a pretty good job of taking care of the evildoer. But when was the last time, let's say April 17th, April 20th, that you've ever received a thank you letter from the IRS? How many of you have ever received a letter from the IRS that said, hey, thanks for sending your money. Good job. We don't get that, do we? Now, if we don't pay, then we get the notes. <laughs> we want your money. I mean, I, this was an actual story um, that happened. 
uh, to the IRS, uh, there was a man who received a letter and enclosed, you will find a check for $150. I cheated on my income tax return last year and I have not been able to sleep ever since. If I still have trouble sleeping, I'll send the rest. So we have the, we have the why. We have the who. When should we submit? This is where it starts to get really tricky for us. Here's the principle. Obey except when is commanded to sin. I want to give you an Old Testament example of this and then a New Testament example of, of, of when we should submit. Both of these situations have governing authorities forbidding something that goes against God's word. The first one is from Daniel chapter 6. And in Daniel chapter 6, um, the, a, a decree has just been made that they are not to pray anymore to any other God other than King Darius. He has made it illegal to pray. And this is what we read in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. And we jump forward to the New Testament. In Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, we read about a situation with Peter and John. And a healing had been taken place, and they had been... Uh, put into prison, uh, they had been beaten, and then they pull them in, and this is what we read. They've been told, hey, no more preaching, no more teaching, no more healings, put all that behind you, and this is what Peter and John said. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When they were confronted again in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than men. They knew that there would be consequences. Daniel knew that consequences would happen. Peter and John and the rest of the disciples, they knew that there would be consequences if they continued to do what they were told not to. But... They continued to do so. And this is what is great about this. What happened to Daniel? Anybody remember what happened to Daniel when he disobeyed? He's thrown into the lion's den. Peter and John were beaten. They were put into prison. They were threatened with death if they continued to do so. Yet they continued to speak. They continued to pray. They said, you judge for yourselves what you ought to do. But we're going to do what we know is right in the sight of God. You may have heard of the controversy. This was several years ago. But uh, in the Houston area, uh, there were five pastors that the mayor of Houston said, we want copies of your manuscripts of your sermons because they had been pray or they had been um, teaching and preaching against certain moral issues. And they said, she says, we send us your manuscripts. 
And there was a lot of controversy that went over this. And, and Mike Huckabee, he was the former um, governor of Arkansas. He put um, out a, a, a thing to all of the Christians to pray for her, to send her letters, and to send Bibles. And over a thousand Bibles were sent to this mayor of Houston. And she ended up relenting and she backed off of all of this. You see, we have been, it has been made very clear to us as Christians that we need to be in the minority and that we are no longer in the majority and that we need to remain silent and that we need to just keep our mouths shut and sit back. But we have been told that when it comes to standing for something, we have been called to stand on God's word. Even if it means going against those authorities, even if it means that we may be locked up. And I'll tell you, as we see those days continuing to approach, and they are happening around us right now in Stafford. It's happening in our school systems. It's happening all around us. And we need to be prepared. And and it's one of those things that, that I pray about. Will I continue to stand? Even if I'm told that I'm not allowed anymore. Will I take a stand for God's word? What happens if the the government comes in and says, okay, you still want to be a church? You've lost your 5013C. You have to start paying taxes. What are we going to do? Are we going to disband? Are we going to continue being God's people? We cannot fear what is out there. What we have been called to do is to stand for who we are as a Christian. So we've been called to submit. Secondly, we've been commanded to serve. Serve in pleasing ways. Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put the silence, that you, that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Paul challenges the Christians living on the immoral island of Crete in a very similar situation. He says, Titus 3, 1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. You see, it's imperative that we walk with integrity just as Daniel was able to do. You see, Daniel was standing and they tried many times to trap him and they wanted to do whatever they could. And in Daniel chapter six, this is why they ended up coming down that there was no, it was illegal to pray. Because in Daniel chapter six, verse four, we read, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. You know, incidentally, I I often hear people that say, hey, I want to know God's will for my life. How many have ever asked that or said that out loud? I want to know God's will for my life. And it usually comes in a vocation. I want to know what God's will for me is in my job. What is God's will for me and where I should move? What is God's will for me and who I should marry? What is God's will for me in in what school I'm going to attend? And we use God's will in many of these different situations. But I found that it's helpful to start with the absolute certainty of knowing who God is in our life. Here in verse 15, it's very clear. This is the will of God that by doing good, 
First Thessalonians chapter four, three, Paul says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. He says in uh, chapter five, verse 18, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, when God's people were sent into exile, they were aliens, they were strangers in a foreign land, but God told them to build houses, to start families, to plant gardens. They were to seek peace. They were called to pray. And that's exactly what we've been called to do today as well where we live. Check out Jeremiah 29 verse 7. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For it is peace with you. For for in its peace you will have peace peace in other words you have been called to be good citizens likewise we're to be involved in positive ways in our communities submitting to the governing authorities to serve in pleasing ways good christians are good citizens Peter says that when Christians serve others by doing good, it will silence the ignorance of evil men. This literally means to muzzle or to gag. Jesus used that that, that very same word. In, In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, there's a horrible storm going on. Jesus is asleep. There's this small sea, this lake, and they're out on it. And these fishermen were used to being on this sea, but this was worse than normal for them. And they were scared to death. Jesus is sound asleep in the front of the boat. And they wake Jesus up, and immediately he says, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Jesus muzzled or gagged the sea immediately there was calm. You see, when we serve our community, it will silence our critics as much as it possibly can. They're going to watch us with suspicion. They're going to wonder why we're doing what we're doing. So our motives must be right in what we're doing to make sure that it's not about us. It's not about our church that gets the glory. It's all going to God. God receives the glory. And that's the important thing that we must make sure that we always understand. You see, we're free and yet we're called to serve when we look at verse 16, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. You see, we have been set free from sin and guilt, but we, have not, we don't have the freedom just to do wrong things. A lot of us go, well, I'm a Christian and I'm saved, so I can just kind of do whatever I want and God will forgive me. We, we try to look at God as an etch-a-sketch. For you millennials, you probably don't know what that is. Go home and Google it and you'll see what an etch-a-sketch is. Um, but, you know, we we didn't have our phones to play on. We had this thing, and it had two dials, and you couldn't really make much more than stairs with it. At least I couldn't. Um, you know, I couldn't. Make, it was crazy. But there was a lot of people that used some really cool things. But here's the thing. If you started to make something and you messed up, what'd you do? You just shook it like this. If you have a problem on Facebook, what do you do? You just shake your phone, and it reports everything now, even when you don't want it to. Um, but we like that as Christians, Right? Because we think that our Christian life is just an etch-a-sketch board. 
Well, if I sin, I just shake it really good and it gives me a clean slate and God goes, oh, go ahead and go do it again. But that's not the case. Because eventually we will start severing that connection that we have with the Holy Spirit. We can't continue just to give in to it over and over and over again. You see, we're to use our liberty to demonstrate virtue, not justify our vices. That's what Romans six eighteen says. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. Peter says that we have been made bond servants. Peter's drawing out of the Old Testament here that someone who was free to leave, but chose to stay. You see, we are bond servants of Jesus Christ. We're free to go whenever we want. We can walk out of these doors and we can walk out of a relationship with God because here's the awesome thing. No one can take your relationship from God from you except for one person, and that's you. I'm the only one that can take my relationship with God away from me. You are the only one that can take your relationship with God away from you. No one else can do so. It's up to you of whether you're going to do it. But when we freely choose to follow him, we become that bond servant that we, yet, sure, I could walk away at any time, but I am choosing to stay because I love you and I want you to be a part of my life. We are not simply just volunteering at this church. When you come and you worship and then you go work in the the kids zone, that's just not all it is. You are a bond servant of the master. You want to do what matters to him. So we're to submit in public ways. We are to serve in pleasing ways. Finally, we are to show in preferential ways. Look at verse 17. I just want to break out five quick commands here. He says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now to honor all people, to honor means to fix a high value by esteeming or prizing someone, to hold in high regard. So we have been called to hold all people in high regard. We're called to be courteous and kind to all people by considering everyone to be weighty because they are made in the image of God. We've been called to honor all people from the preborn all the way up to the elderly person with Alzheimer's who has the disorder, the debilitating disease. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of old man. And fear your God. I am the Lord. Sometimes we start to lose honor because we think that we're the only ones that deserve honor. We think that we're king supreme of our lives. And we're the ones that should be honored. But when we truly understand this, it is about honoring those that are around us. Holding them in high esteem. Love the brotherhood. See, we have an even higher obligation to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. The word here for love isn't the uh, phileo. It's not Philadelphia. It's not the, the brotherly love here. It's actually the agape form. It is an unconditional love that we have been called to have for one another. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all 
especially to those who are of the household of faith. That means that we are called to love those who are different than us. What's that look like? It means that we are to love one another even if they vote differently than we do. It means that we're to love one another even if they like a different style of music than we do. That their skin is different than ours. That if they're from a different generation. That if they root for a different team. We're called to love them. Do you know there's true hatred out there when it comes to football and baseball teams? Hated rivalries. And that word hatred is very true. And it rings in college sports. It, it rings in, in, in professional sports. But all of those different things that I mentioned, we see it when it comes to race. We see it when it comes to differing music and especially that first one that i mentioned there's no well you you are a part of this party and i'm a part of this party and hey we're gonna agree to disagree on things not anymore if you are a republican you have to hate a democrat and if you're a democrat you have to hate a republican and if you are for this president then i can't be friends with you because oh if you're against this president then oh you know, and, and I use that because there's a lot worse things that could be said and even done. But as we're going to continue to read in First Peter, especially when we get into chapter 13, we are called to love one another. Brotherly love. Coming together. That's what we've been called to do. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another fear god you can sense the increasing intensity as we move from honoring all people to loving our fellow family members to the faith of fearing god you see to fear is to revere psalm 128 verse 1 says blessed is everyone who fears the lord who walks in his ways some of us have become so familiar with God that we no longer have a healthy fear of him. We see, we, we see God as just our best friend. We see Jesus as just someone we have a relationship with and we can joke around and we can have fun with and we, we sing songs about having a beer with Jesus or, or all of these different crazy things that are out there. But there needs to be a true reverence of who God is. And I think that we've started to lose that Hebrews 12 28 through 29 says therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire we're called to develop a sense of awe and reverence for him and that's the final point that we see that Peter gives. Honor the king. Now again, if you notice, this is a little K. This isn't talking about having reverence for, for, for King Jesus. 
I think he's repeating himself for a very important reason. Because again, in that first century, Peter, I, I think you may have made a mistake when you told us that we are called to honor the king. Do you know who Nero is? The horrible, evil things that he has done. So I think that Peter just wants to reiterate what he's already said because there was going to be pushback by these people of the first century. There are people today that go, yeah, that guy that's sitting up there in D.C. Honor the king. Honor the president. Whether you agree with them or not, honor the Supreme Court. Whether you like the decisions they make, honor those that are in authority. Good Christians are good citizens. We demonstrate that by submitting in public ways, by serving in pleasing ways, and by showing in preferential ways. Ultimately, it comes down to whether we have submitted and surrendered to the King Supreme. If we have submitted to Jesus Christ as our King. God's name is used four times in five verses because it's not about you. It's not about your boss. It's not about your teacher. At its core, it's not about the president or the Supreme Court. At its core, it's all about God. And that's what we have to remember. Roger Stallback, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the world championship in 1971, admitted that his position as quarterback who didn't call his own signals was a trial, was a source of trial for him. Coach Tom Landry sent in every play and told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in an extreme emergency situation could he change the play. And Stallback better be right. And even though Stallback considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind, when it came to football strategy, Pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Stallback later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. And for us... We need to commit. We need to submit. And when we're able to do so, it is only in that submission that we are able to find true victory. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior today, today can be that opportunity that you are able to find that full victory. We're not going to receive it all here on this earth, but we will have victory here and in heaven. And for some of you, you've already given your life over to Christ, but there's a struggle. There's a sin. There's something going on in your life right now that you have not been submitting to him and you need prayer for it. And you need someone to walk through it with you. Come to the back. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you, to listen to whatever it is to help you. We're going to stand and we're going to sing in just a second. And if you have a decision to make, if you need someone to just to pray with you, to, to walk through a situation with you, the elders and Jared and I are going to be in the back. And if you have a decision to make, will you make it as we continue our worship?